Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of It's Brewing at McEwen, a USF baseball podcast. I'm your host, Mark Giardino, and today I'll be joined by my two co-hosts, Matt Giardino and John Kaplan. Our guests today are two pitchers in the USF baseball program, senior Ethan Brown and junior Jackson Cawthon. This pairing of guests was a special request from John, and we're glad he recommended them because it ended up being a great conversation that I think you all will really enjoy. If you're enjoying our content, please be sure to like, comment, and subscribe on whichever platform you're listening on. If you do that, it will really help us grow the platform. Today is January 14th, 2023, and we are 34 days away from opening day. Without further ado, let's get into the show. Right, Why so you got all... a cock ring? <laughs> Why your walls is blank? <laughs> hey, that's just a tiger painting. Thank you. Someone appreciates my work. <laughs> it's a self-portrait. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Jackson, you can start. Yeah, my name is Jackson Cawthorn. Um, originally from Fedville, Tennessee, a little small town uh, on the Tennessee-Alabama state line. Um, at a high school, I went to a AAC foe, I guess you could say now, um, in Memphis. Left there after my freshman year, went JUCO for a year, somehow found my way to Tampa, Florida. Um, and I'm a right-handed pitcher. Nice. So I, I didn't know that the area you're from is like on the border of Tennessee, Alabama? Yeah. Yeah, I'm like seven miles from the state line. Gotcha. So when you went to like that JUCO, I know it was in Alabama. Was that kind of like close to your hometown? Yeah, I was like 30 minutes from my house. Oh, nice. So you were like commuting or whatever or whatever? I had an, I had an, it was a little too far to commute, but I just had an yeah. apartment. There you go. All right. And then uh, Ethan. I'm Ethan Brown. I'm from Longwood, Florida. I started my college career at Seminole State for uh, three years. One being the COVID year, and then also just found my way to USF from uh, actually Logan Lyle. He put in a good word for me, and hopefully I backed it up. So I'm curious about that. I I remember hearing that, like, Logan knew you. Like, how did y'all meet? How did y'all know each other? Uh, We had a mutual friend that I went to JUCO with from Seminole State. His name is Keelan Fox. And then me and Logan actually met playing uh, Fortnite. And then I guess we just played so much that we built some kind of friendship. And then ended up actually meeting up. I came down to uh, Tampa a couple times to hang out. And then when it came to the means of me transferring, he was the first one I contacted. Wow. That, that's that's a good story. And uh, yeah. I was a little little surprised you said you're from Longwood. I know you're originally from, from Jersey. Is that what, I what's mean, up with that? Yeah, I mean, I was born in Jersey, but I don't see me going back anytime soon. So I think it's time <laughs> to claim that Florida boy icon that everyone wanted me to. Nice. I respect that. As a fellow Florida boy myself. Um, all right. So, John, uh, we usually let John lead off the show because he, he's he's a good leadoff hitter. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch it over to John. He's going to kind of be the host for a little bit. I'm good. What's good, fellas? <clears throat> I never really could oh. hit, but uh, I did enjoy pitching. That's why I like having you two on the show today. Um, how are y'all doing? I'm good. good. I just kind of lonely. I don't got a hat on, so I'm going to go ahead and put one on real quick. 
If y'all don't mind. There you go. There, there we go. go. He didn't get the memo. It's all right. No, he didn't. It never it's does. A lot more cohesive. That's for sure. <laughs> all right. So I uh, have a few um, kind of like just like fun questions and then a few questions about the squad. Uh, so first, um, these questions will be uh, for both of y'all. So uh, y'all can just take turns on who answers first. Uh, in a fight to the death with no weapons allowed, which teammate are you bringing with you to battle and why? Ethan, lead this one off. I'm going Ben Rosenblum. He's my roommate for the last two years. He's my dog. And I spent a lot of time working out with him in the summer, and he's been doing some Navy SEAL training. So I know anytime <laughs> I got to gear up, I know he's going to be the first one behind my back. Obviously. I got to go. But you don't like this one. I got to go Pablo Ruiz. <laughs> Look, his dad was in the, I guess, Puerto Rican. He was like a Puerto Rican national like boxer, fighter. So I know – and I've been around Pablo. Like, I, I just know. I, that's who I got to go with. He's going to fight off anything bad we got. And I can take care of the, the, the fire starting and, you know, surviving type stuff. So I know he's going he gonna to be there for me. All right. I like that. Um, well, I, I, don't think, I, don't, I don't think wait, wait, John. I don't think we just go gloss over the the these these answers. I'm, I'm, I'm I kind of I'm, I'm, I'm um so Ben like he doesn't really strike me as like a fierce dude. He's like seems more laid back. But oh well, yeah, like, being with him, being with him every day, he, it comes out every here and there. He went, when he wants to let that dog out, he's gonna let it out with no remorse. I feel that. Yeah, I feel like he's pretty tough. I mean, he yeah, like played through some injuries last year. Um, it's not not entirely surprising. But uh, Pablo Ruiz is somebody like I was doing those little uh, five questions, and he came up as an answer for who who they would hire as a as a bodyguard. So it, he's he's kind of respected, I guess, from other people. A lot of He's them like that too. You wouldn't know. Tattoos. What's that? He's saying that because he got tattoos. So the young kids got, got scared by him. <laughs> I don't fear him though. Who's going young? I'm, was I talking to you? Damn. <laughs> All right, John. All right, moving on. Uh, which teammate would you let slash not let date your sister, and why? Jackson, you got this one. Oh, uh, this got to be payback. And I got some explaining to do because I know I got a – they took a shot at me on the first one. Canty said me. <laughs> Canty said me. But <laughs> we got a lot of talking to do about this one because Canty is not even like – I wouldn't let him within 100 yards of my daughter, much oh less David. <laughs> I don't think you can say that, bro. That's going to like, – <laughs> no shot and like not in any world is Cantu dating my daughter. I'm doing don't right now or would I let him? Whichever one. Um would not. I would definitely not let Hunter May date my daughter. I've seen how that went. That man, <laughs> he scares me. He scares me. But uh I'll definitely let Jack Sieber date my daughter. He's got a lovely little woman right now and he takes good care of her, so I, I can respect that. All right, I can see that. 
I feel like I have a few solid. I don't think there's anybody that just totally sticks out. I'm gonna give Bug some love here because I, I've Plus, never I seen him. Sing, I've never seen him single, but I know how he treats Madison. So I gotta. I, he's my boy. I gotta go with him. He he does a good oh. job. So. That's love right there. Love. It's love. I feel that. Uh, which teammate is the funniest on the roster? You're looking at both of them. <laughs> How did I know that answer was coming? Gotta be Boogie for sure. Uh, hey, even, though, even though Pablo's funny, Pablo no, is Pablo, hilarious Pablo to me. Funny. We, we do got a lot of characters on here, but I think me and Jackson definitely take the top cake there. Especially together. Hell, oh, we bad together. Um, of all the uh, players on the roster currently, which two teammates have the biggest bromance brewing? <laughs> <Me and Boogie. laughs> I was gonna say, should I should I say uh, you have to exclude yourselves? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you gotta okay. exclude us. Um, I mean, I think uh, I think oh, Fulton Lockhart and DC. That's Who? a good answer. Fulton Lockhart and Chandler Dorsey. Okay. They're I mean, they share locker. locker without each other. They share lockers. They kind of have to. But uh, I'm I'm going to go with the uh, I'm going to go with Cal Punsack and Joey Bellini. Mm, let's go. Those two kids off okay. the field. I don't think I haven't seen them apart. So there's got to be something going on there that nobody knows about. <laughs> it's uh, the lefty pitcher uh, connection. Yep, it, it's something at that baseball house. I don't know. Not there enough to weasel it out of them. <laughs> How many guys live there? Um, uh, six. six. Okay. Who all lives there? Jackson, you got that. You got the Mink Twins, DC on one side. Like on one side of the house, they have their own living room. And then you got Nelly, and then you got Cal and Bellini on the other side with their own living room and stuff. Nice. Um, who were y'all's favorite uh, ba- major league baseball teams growing up? You got it, book. Uh, I got to go with the New York Mets. Just so, that's always been the games that we went to, and I just my dad grew up loving them, so I just got kind of got that gene. And then of course that 2015 World Series run, I was I was able to there sit there and watch a couple games. And right now I don't focus too much on it, but every time I get asked that question, I just got to go with the hometown team. Yeah, I got to go with the Braves. I live in Braves country. Um, grew up watching Chipper, probably my favorite player ever. So I got to go with the Braves. Should be an interesting uh, season for you two, uh, watching the Braves and Mets go at it again. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, my, what, what are my... Five times back to back to back to back, whatever it is. Five, yeah, five times in a row. Bro, stop worrying about the past, dog. Damn. Have you guys even won five World Series in Atlanta? I don't, I don't think so. It's been all think so. around the world, right? <laughs> Pretty crazy that uh, deal with Correa and uh, they retracted it and stuff with the Mets. Yeah, now he's back with the Twins. I was about to say, yeah, he's been bouncing around the league so much. I knew he was going to land somewhere, but just ending up where probably to a, a bad team just to try to build some kind of franchise. Get yeah. Carlos Correa is just that ticket. It's wild. He uh, had two deals rejected because of uh, bad physicals. Who was uh, your favorite player of all time growing up? 
Mm. I'm going with Captain David Wright. I like that. Yeah, mine's Chipper. I'd say Chipper for sure. Since I was old enough to watch, that was the guy I remember, so. Yep. Jackson, I – I, I watched a lot of baseball growing up, and I, I don't remember Chipper that much. And I, I'm older than you. Like, you must have been really young when you were watching Chipper Jones. Yeah, I mean, I remember – I'll never forget it. Funny story, we were camping one year on a Saturday. Like, we always camped on the weekends. And so I was probably – it was before I started travel ball, so I was probably six, seven, eight, something like that. Okay. I remember sitting in the camper, and I was so mad at Chipper because he had, like, struck out, like, twice. And my mom got mad at me because I was like, he sucks. Like, he's going to strike out here. And she, like, was mad at me for it because I was, like, being negative. And then he, like, hit a home run to, like, walk it off. And so, I don't know. I guess ever from that moment, honestly, like, and then I guess he played for – well, he retired in, like, 12 or 13. So, I saw him for, like, you know, I guess seven years probably where I was able to remember it. Past or present, who's the best pitcher of all time? That's tough. No, go present. Not. Go go present because the guys that you've actually watched. Uh, you uh, most dominant pitcher in the game right now, Jacob Degrom. I was going to say Jacob. Degrom. Yeah, he's my favorite player in the league. Yeah, a healthy Jacob Degrom's untouchable. Mm-hmm. Ironically, he played at Stetson. He did as a shortstop. <laughs> oh, was he a shortstop for a little bit? He was a draft as a shortstop. Wow. And through the system, he turned into a pitcher. That's crazy. I think he was uh, he was the only one to take Chris Sale yard in his college yeah. career. I think, yeah, he was. Because he played where I FGCU. I think it was at Stetson's ballpark, too, which is – that's a, a very pitcher's uh, heavy ballpark. So, just be able to do that as a pitcher just proves that I can do it, too. So, Billy Moe is definitely going to let me get some swings in the spring. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we, we're, we're yet to see a, a true two-way in the uh, last few years. I, I'm, waiting, I'm waiting for it. So, looking forward to the season a little bit. Uh, what out-of-conference series are you guys most looking forward to this season? Oh, making my return trip to Memphis. Hashtag revenge game? Oh, got to, yeah. I, I, a lot of respect. I got some of my best friends, lifelong friends there. But just like a personal revenge game, I guess. Nice. I like I'll say that, but I'm also I've never been to Cali, so I'm looking forward to Long Beach. Me too. Uh, I'm just going with opening weekend against Maryland. It's a solid team. We yeah. got to start off hot. So that'd be the first weekend to give a good punch in the mouth about how we're coming this year. Yeah, I I saw a poll today from College Baseball Nation that had Maryland Maryland at number twelve. So uh, wow. It's exciting yeah, to play them. Yeah, we just got to make sure we're locked in and ready to go, which I think we should be, and I think we will be. Like Long it. Beach and Maryland are uh, both highlighted on my schedule as well, but um, no ties whatsoever. Just the fact that they swept us uh, last season, I'm also agreeing on the Memphis series because that was a very frustrating series to watch last year. But uh, – <clears throat> Last question that I have is uh, if we had to put a four-man starting rotation on paper tomorrow, what names are we going to be hearing? Mm. 
Boog, you got it. Uh, I mean, of course, I'm. I want to say myself, just because I I had to get I had the ball last year. I would hope to get it again this year. Uh, Austin Grouse has definitely been taking a big role. I think Jackson Cothin will be the three, the two or three, and then vice versa. Uh, Austin Grouse, and then number four, sneakily, I want to give it to Nolan Hootie just for the amount of strikes he throws. So I think we're down in a ball game, or we're down a series. We just get him in, and he'll sit there and hammer the zone and do it competitively, and hopefully give us a little bit of fire to win one ball game. Like that. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I definitely agree. Grouse is – I mean, if we're going based just off the fall, you know, which the fall doesn't mean everything. Like, Grouse would have been the Friday guy. I would assume coaching staff-wise would have said coming out of the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, me and Boogie were both trying to work on some stuff, struggled a little bit here and there. Um, I mean, obviously, I got to say myself confidence-wise. Like, I've got experience in this league. Um, pitched at ECU, pitched in a lot of games. I got to go Boog for sure in there too, pitched a lot last year. And then my fourth, oh, my fourth. I mean, I like the hoodie answer, but I'm going to go off the charts right here because of projectability, and I think he'll be really good by the end of the year. I got to go Austin Newton. I like that. I like that. I like that. He's a a big guy. He's like – I think he's like six – Five, six, seven, six, seven, six at least. He's bigger than I am. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, think, I think he's around the same height as Rob Brutcher. Interesting. I actually watched him pitch in high school and in person. And he was velo. And you could just see, like you're saying, projectability mm-hmm. um, of what he can be when he reaches his full potential. It's very, very exciting for sure. I mean, I, um, I think he'll definitely be anywhere from 92, 94, 100%. Yeah, I could see that. And, yeah, he, and we developed it kind of uh, with Newton, like, through the fall. You could tell he was, like, kind of quiet and just, like, didn't talk a whole lot. By the end of the fall, we had him, like – I'm not going to talk about it on here. We have, like, a thing with the team. Like, we talk about, like, Newton has it. Like, like he's going to drop him and be ready to go. Like, that's how he was at the end of the fall. And I think he'll be ready. He'll be a huge part. Yeah. That's exciting. What major developments have – I mean, he's always been extremely talented, but what, what have we seen uh, developmentally from Grouse over the fall? I mean, I wasn't here last year, so I didn't get to see a lot of him last year personally. Um, but I think Grouse just – I mean, he's one of those guys, like he, he just comes in and does what he's supposed to do. He's going to do exactly what he's supposed to do. He, he's not scared of anything. He doesn't care who you are. I mean, he's he's going to come at you, and he pounded his zone, and he just found some consistent change-up stuff with his new grip, and I think he just went with it and took off, kind of. Yeah, 100%. Add on to that. Coming from last year, he was a little more lackadaisical, just a little more go-with-the-flow kind of guy. Now, this year, it seems he picked up a little bit of fire in his own eyes. He realized, I think he can take this game pretty far, and now he's trying to show that potential, I think, coming up in the season, especially mid-season form. I think it's going to come out and he's going to make a big impact. That's awesome. I really like to hear that. Um, that's all for my questions. Um, Matt, did you have anything for him? Yeah. So uh, thanks for uh, joining us for uh, this podcast. Um, this first question is for Jackson. Um, so I know you, I kind of look back at, you know, your history playing at Memphis and, 
I noticed that, you know, you actually played against USF as a Tiger. And uh, I was kind of thinking, you know, like, did that game have any impact on your decision to go to USF? I know you went to JUCO after Memphis, but did something about that game kind of stick out to you that made you decide that you want to go to USF? Um, I wouldn't really say in particular that game. I, I think just that year in general, just like them being able to, I think it just spoke wonders on, you know, Coach Moles culture here them like being able to catch fire you know and then like next thing I know I'm watching supers and so then I went juco and I'm like thinking and I'd been in the same area um geographically and I was like you know like maybe I need to change like maybe I just need a reset um and so when my somebody that knows wit you know kind of reached out or whatever like hey wit wants to talk to you you know, I think it was just like – I mean, I think I knew I wanted to come here, you know, the first conversation I had, and then I came on my official. And then I was – I had to do con some convincing with the parents. But um, I wouldn't say in particular, no. Not not that game, but I, I guess their year, the end of the year especially for them, for sure. Nice. And uh, kind of looking at, you know, the, the results of that game, uh, I know Nellie and uh, Daniel Cantu kind of had your number in, in that game. Do you guys ever uh, – kind of joke around about that at all yeah we went back and like when I first got here we went back and looked at that game and I think it what what was the final was that four to two or, or was it more high scoring I don't remember I think it was like six to five yeah something like that so we went back and looked at it and um Cantu had my number this fall too so I guess Cantu just I don't know but I'll, I'll get him back this spring we'll we'll see <laughs> Sounds good. And uh, so after your time with Memphis, um, what was like the big thing that made you want to go to JUCO instead of transferring straight to another Division One school? Because I felt like <clears throat> I felt like coming, trying to go D1, you know, as a freshman and not putting up terrific numbers is just I mean, I had I had opportunities, but I knew I could play at a higher level or just the same level. And so I felt like Juco was the best route for that to go, you know, develop on my own for a year. And it was with a guy that I've known for a long time. Um, so I, I felt like that was just honestly the best landing spot. And I just – I felt like I could have more opportunities if I went Juco. Awesome. And uh, so once you got to USF, um, you know, what are some things that you really found to like about the school? And, you know, how have you found yourself adapting to living in Florida? Well, I like – I love the beach. So, that's that's number one for sure, I got to say. And this is, like, kind of off, like, random, but Wawa. Like, we don't have those. And, like, you can go there and get anything you want for, like, pretty cheap. So, like, late nights, I got to go to Wawa and get something. There's, there's uh, nothing like a, a nice sandwich after uh, a, a night out from I Wawa. Know, I, I got to say that. Um, and then school-wise, I mean, academically, I, I would say a lot of it is kind of the same as my freshman year, you know, because we're in the same conference, like same I, – I would say it's kind of the same. But um, I w there wasn't a whole lot of – it's definitely a different culture, like different types of people. You know, back home it's a lot of, you know, a lot of hunting and, 
you know, just a lot. I feel like people down here care more about baseball, I guess, and don't really have as many other distractions as we do back home because people have, you know, hunting, fishing. They, you know, they want to skip practice to go hunt or duck hunt or whatever it may be. And then down here, it's just kind of like, this is it. Nice. And uh, is that something that you like to do in your free time, like hunting or fishing? Yeah, so I actually, I, that's all I did while I was home. Obviously, the off season was a little different. Um, but I was I was chasing after one deer, got him, and then killed a bobcat. So I would say I had a successful hunting season, I guess. Nice. Not a, not a bad way to spend the, uh, the off season. No, not at all. No, he still has awesome. me that for a coat, though. <laughs> that would be sick. Um, cool. So this next question is for Ethan. Uh, I know last year, you know, you didn't necessarily start out where you wanted to. Um, you know, you're kind of one of the guys coming out of the bullpen. Um, you know, talk a little bit about the progression of your season last year. And I know a lot of it had to do with, you know, other guys getting injured, but you really found that opportunity and, and made the most of it, especially uh, on different occasions of, of the season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to start off, Witt had told me that I was going to be getting a couple innings out of the pen, which I was fine with. But I always think back to it. My first day here, I, was, I told Jack Jaciak and uh, Ryan Kirkring, I'm coming for their spot. And I'm not saying that like I wasn't foreshadowing anything, but the injuries, of course, they stunk. But as soon as I got that opportunity, I think Mole texted me at like 11 p.m. that first night of conference telling me I had that ball on Sunday. So I got that first start and just tried to do the best I could with the most that I could. But uh, that first half, yeah, just coming out of the back end of the bullpen. To me, it wasn't fun, but it, I had to do what I had to do. And then uh, I guess just the pieces fell into its place to get where I was at now. And thankful for it. Awesome. And uh, I guess another question following up on that, too, is um, I know you have a lot of goals this year. And I know you probably had some professional opportunities that, you know, you forewent last offseason. Um, what were like some of the big determining factors for you to come back to USF and, and give it another year? Um, well, this story goes back a while because um, I felt like this year I didn't give all I could have gave, gave in, as in half starter, half out of the bullpen. And it was the same thing with Juco. That's why I went back for my third year. I gave it up because uh, my first year, again, in Juco, I was out of the bullpen. Second year got cut off because of COVID, and I already had a scholarship to go to the University of Tampa. But I just felt like there was unfinished, unfinished business over at my JUCO. So I went back. I gave him that full two-year time duration. That's what I thought about in my head. I thought my first two years was half a year, so equal that one year. At the third year, that's my two. And then, again, I was supposed to be a junior coming into USF. Didn't get what I wanted out of the year. So I figured I'd go get my degree, come back, and then whatever professional opportunity came this year, Again, that's still a big issue. I'm not really thinking about it too much, but if it happens, it happens. But I think the biggest thing was just coming back, getting my degree, and just having one more year of living it up in college. Because once you're done, you got to start that real life. You can't really go back and enjoy the days like we are now. That's very true. And, um, you know, based off of last season, what, what were some things that, you know, you really felt like you had to work on? And what were the, the key things that you focused on this offseason? I mean, the key things I definitely focused on were getting stronger for sure. Throwing-wise, I didn't want to overthink too much. I just need to throw more strikes, be more consistent, be more competitive in the zone. So that's one of the main goals. But this, the main goal I had in the fall wasn't really about me. 
it was just getting the freshmen acclimated and comfortable as quick as possible. Because I know when I came in here last year, I didn't feel out of place, but I just felt like there was something missing, and it was that team chemistry. So the majority of the fall, that that whole goal that I've been working on was just building that team chemistry, making sure everyone was comfortable. So by the time spring season comes, everyone's locked in, everyone's friends. We all, we all want to win together. And uh, at the end of the day, just becoming a family, more of just a team. That's awesome. Now, talking about the, you know, the culture that you guys are building there, um, you know, what are some of the differences that you guys have uh, really noticed from this year to last year? Well, I guess that's more for you, Ethan. I mean, really, I think this baseball house idea that we had really did it because everybody, every time we have an event over there, I don't think that there's one teammate that misses out. Compared to last year, we would try to make plans and about, I would say, less than half the team would come to it. So there was, we always had our groups, like these diverse groups, one group would be over here, over here. So there was not really one place where we can all come together and just get that chemistry building, bond build, and just do all the fun stuff that we should be doing off the field. So I think the baseball house was the biggest thing culturally wise. And also I think our, I think our leaders this year, are a little more, um, a little more open. Like I know some of the guys were overthinking some stuff during inter squads and freaking out a little bit, but I think some of the older guys were able to step up and calm them down in a way that's not going to shut them down. It's going to kind of encourage them. So I think overall it's just the mental state. I think we really improved on that from last year. Awesome. No, that's really exciting to hear as, uh, as the fans. Um, so I guess this one's kind of a, a little bit more lighthearted. So I know you guys know that we do a lot of tailgating. And um, my question is, you know, I'll, I'll let Ethan take this first, but what's your favorite uh, tailgating food, like tailgating staples? Oof. Uh, this might be out of the ordinary, but I love ribs. And every time we went to a football game with my dad or a baseball game, we tailgated. We always had ribs with us. And then the second one's always wings, ribs and wings for me. Nice. And you, Jackson? Yeah. Um, I, I like a I like a main dish, but I'm a big finger food guy. Like, I love the buffalo chicken dip. And um, <laughs> he said it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like buffalo chicken dip. Um, I love fruit dip. Um. I just like to kind of pick around. I don't like to stand around and just eat for too long. I kind of like to mingle. And um, if I, I, I guess wings would be easy because you can just kind of pick those up and, you know, hold on to them. But I, I definitely say finger, fuse, finger foods are my go-to for sure. Nice. We uh, Last year, uh, Ethan's parents helped us out a lot with the tailgating, and we had a lot of crazy things going. We, we made pizzas. We made – uh, chicken wings, all sorts of crazy things. So we're excited to uh, have that fired up for this year too. Y'all did a fish fry at one of those days, right? Yeah, for uh, mm. the Easter Easter weekend game, we mm. uh, did a fish fry too. Whew, the day I wish I was a fan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we we might have to schedule in some of those uh, post game tailgates so you guys can join us uh, next year. Yeah, I've seen John working cornhole. Oh my God! Yeah, he, he already talking. Don't make me wake your father up, man. And we'll just have to set y'all straight right now. Look, I got my teammate right down here. We're ready to run whenever. Whenever. Right down where? Right, Jackson Cothran, that's my teammate. All right. Cool. So this is a uh, last question I really have is. Uh, I know I stumbled into you guys in, in Ebor before and I know you guys like to have a good time. What are your uh, favorite places to go out in Tampa? You got a book? 
Um, hey, hold on. We're going to do something cool right here. Yeah. Yeah, he knows. He knows. What were you talking about today? Come on, bro. So, hey, somebody, somebody count give, it down. Somebody, somebody count it down. Five, four, three, two, one. Dallas Baddies. Oh. Oh, no, you didn't, bro. <laughs> Dallas. You did not just do that. No way you messed that up. No way you messed that up. That's the first time <laughs> we've ever messed it up. Dallas Bull. I, just, I just can't believe that was your answer. No, nah, Dallas Bull is definitely fun. But there's a little more local spot called Paddy Wagons where they got cornhole and pool. And okay, you know, I'm if you know me, now. you know I'm a big billiards guy. Where do you play pool too? All right. Maybe, maybe Jackson just likes to line dance. He don't even know how to. So I don't even know why he said Dallas Bull. I just like the music. Can't blame you. There's yeah, a jukebox at Patties. You can play whatever you want. We do. You're my Friday night, bro. <laughs> There's actually a, a good new bar that opened up in Ewart called the Southern Bell. They had a soft opening last weekend. Really good country bar. So definitely got to check that out, Jackson. Ooh. Where are my boots? Which when, when are we going? <laughs> Which paddy wagon do y'all go to? Oh, uh, USF. Yeah, the one right by USF. It should be across street from the standard. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. Hey, tell, Boog, tell him what Brian was saying. He wants to do like a little tailgate thing too. Before oh, yeah. He was trying to uh, collaborate with you guys to do a tailgate over there. Bring wow. all the parents all over there. You guys play uh, cornhole, shoots, and pool. Who was saying that? Uh, the owner of Paddy Wagons. Oh, sick. Yeah, me and Jackson have become pretty good friends with him. Cool, yeah. Make sure we get in touch with him. That'd be cool. Awesome. I'm pretty sure he DM'd you guys the other day, or not the other day, probably a couple of weeks ago. Really? But he's like, right. yeah, he, maybe he's got a small Instagram page. I remember telling him, and I don't know if he showed me he did, but he definitely hit you. Guys I, I was there. He he did. I think we were saying. All right. I may have just seen it and not know what it was, but I'll, I'll make sure to hit him back. Cool. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Right, no problem. Nice. All right. I, I got I got a couple couple for you guys. Um, I'm interested in uh, you know Jackson being from. Tennessee, Alabama, you big country music guy? Oh, big, yeah. Who, who, who's your top three right now in, that you're listening to? You better not bosh this. I, I feel like this is a tough question because I'm like a, a diehard country fan, so I feel like you've got you've got a top three mainstream, and sure. then you've got like a top three like not like not really like mainstream, but not mainstream. All right, so, give me I mean, give me your favorites from each category. I mean, my top three mainstream, I mean, you got to go with Luke and you got to go Morgan. And, I mean, I consider these guys mainstream. Um, I'm trying to think of another – like, I'm not a huge – I mean, Chris Stapleton's okay. I guess Cody Johnson, is that is – that, I would consider him mainstream. I'm familiar with him, yeah. He's, he's mainstream. And then my non-mainstream – well, I'll take that back. I'll go Parker McCollum in the mainstream. Okay. And then I'll go Kojo in the non-mainstream with Dylan Scott. That's yep. me and Boogie. That we go way back with Dylan Scott. There it is. And um, I gotta go Co Wetzel. Wow. Okay, Co Co Wetzel. I mean, I I see what you mean by like the mainstream and and like not not mainstream. Um, I feel like what would you consider Zach Bryan? 
Um, I mean, he's definitely getting more mainstream. He went right over your head. Um, <sighs> yeah, he did go right over my head, low key. Um, yeah, that's tough. I would definitely say he's he's working his way there. I don't think he's been in the game long enough to be considered a full-on mainstream right now, though. Yeah. Do you think that – I mean, I'm going to assume you you know a lot about country. I, I kind of got into it more recently. But for me, I feel like there's, like, different sounds, like, within country. Like, there's more, like, those, like, pop kind of almost sounds. Like, Morgan almost sounds like that sometimes. And then um, there's more, like, the – western kind of style you know like tyler childers and those yeah, yeah, guys yeah. like that i mean it's childers, hard to yeah, it. like, i love tyler childers and like um but you i mean you definitely got you got the parker which he's west texas right mm-hmm. tyler is texas co is texas you know and then you got luke and morgan that are you know appy appy mountains pretty much like appalachian mountains right, area. Right, right. so they're more like the the real it's like you know there's two different you can't compare small town west texas to small town east tennessee they're just two totally different things in their own way mm-hmm. and i think there's different slang for both which leads to different types of vocals for both yeah that makes sense that makes sense that i that, I, that actually because i was wondering like why does is there different sounds within country but you think about any other genre like rap it's going to have you know west coast versus new york is, is going to sound different but i mean just think about like the way we talk like right if i was singing i would sing different than you guys would because you're going to have a different accent and different like lingo than i would right, so right, right. that's, that's kind of how it translates nice and what is uh what's ethan listening to oh he's on the country i got him on it did you, you <laughs> Jackson. We're expanding, we're expanding Jackson. his country. His country the door, and Jackson took my hand and guided me through it all. I like it. So you can be seen at Dallas Bowl as well sometimes. Absolutely. What's up? Hey, my, me and Boogie got a song too. Like we got a bro song called Beer Buddies by Dylan Scott. You gotta look at it. You gotta Absolute check it out. Banger. Absolute banger. We'll check it out. All right. Um, so I wanted to just <laughs> ask each of y'all a little more about um, baseball and your development. Um, so, Jackson, I, I kind of wanted to talk a little more about, like, your your career is interesting. And I think it's interesting that you went, you started off D1, which shows that, like, out of high school, you were probably, like, you know, recruited and, and, and you had that pedigree and everything. And then you get to D1, you actually got a decent amount of innings. Maybe you didn't produce the way you wanted to. And then what was it about, like, being in JUCO that kind of, like, made you feel like you could maybe almost like, like maybe it was an experiment more or just kind of, like, have less expectations and just focus on what you needed to do? Like, what, 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 what did you learn, like, that year? And how did you – how much more confident do you feel coming now into your second stint of D1 than your first time? Um, see, my JUCO stint was interesting, too, because – um, I mean, I'm sure there'll be people listening to this, but I don't really care. But we we just weren't very good, and defensively we weren't good. Honestly, it didn't help confidence wise a lot. I mean, I, I I felt like I did a lot of it on my own in the off season of the JUCO year. So like that November December, like in the training facility, and then like we had a PBR pro day where I threw well, 
And then I, that that kind of put me on the map more than anything rather than the regular season because my numbers, I mean, strikeout-wise and stuff, like I was pretty good. But, like, numbers-wise, it, it didn't really show what type of year I had, I felt like. So it um, I really helped myself, like, that offseason. But the JUCO is a different grind because it's – we played two games on Thursday and you played a doubleheader on Saturday. And, like, those drives suck. Like, you're going all across the state. Um, and there's no weight room hardly. Like, you're making do with what we have. Like, I went and got a membership at a local gym and did my own stuff. So, you're more or less – it's like either you get out or you're done. So, you, you're kind of forced to, you know, put your head down and go to work. Or, you know, it could be over at any minute if you don't do that. So, that, that, that was kind sense. of my thought process was, you know, I was confident in myself and I knew that if I did what I needed to do, I would be fine. I like that. Yeah, I feel like – I mean, I'm sure Ethan will have some input on this too because, like, you hear all the things like Juco Dog, Juco Bandit, you know, like getting that kind of gritty experience versus having all the resources at a, at a D1. So do you feel like that kind of, like, sharpened, like, your, your mental game too, like having to go through that? Well, it makes you want to work harder too, especially for me because I went from having most of those resources to nothing – so it's like, dang, like I miss those. I want to get back to those, you know, and it's like the little stuff, like the cold tubs and the hot tubs. And like, we didn't even have a trainer in Juco. Like I was, I was like makeshift, like making these little cup massage cup things that I could like scrape myself with, you know, whereas here you get a trainer and it's just all there in front of you, anything you could think of. So that's kind of a thing too. Like you're like, you take for granted what we have a lot of times and like, we really shouldn't. Because we don't realize, you know, unless you go Juco, you don't realize how bad they have it. So definitely a more like it made me more grateful. Gotcha. And uh, I guess one more question about that. After your first year at Memphis, like you don't have to talk, go into too much detail if you don't want, but like could you have stayed there and just tried to like work it out there, or like what? What? Why did you feel like you had to to leave? Yeah, I mean, I 100% could have stayed there. Um, I mean, I had every opportunity in the world as a freshman there. I mean, you know, I, I mean, they certainly didn't want to lose me. And, you know, the head coach there at the time was from my hometown. Um, my mom, I think, actually graduated with him from, like, my high school that I went to. So it was kind of a personal connection there. So it, it was tough. Um, there, there were some things that – you know, maybe I didn't agree with at times. And even on the player side, culture-wise, um, you know, I, I had my best friends, you know, my close guys. But then it's different here because, like, I'm close with everybody. You know, like, I'm going to talk to Boogie. You know, I would consider him one of my closest friends. Like, I'm going to talk to, you know, somebody that I don't see that often, you know, that may have a girlfriend or something. Like, I'm, we all have the same relationship, I would say. And so it just wasn't like that there. I mean, there was days, like, I dreaded going to that facility. Like, I don't want to see so-and-so or, like, I mean, there was times, like, where I, I wanted to fight somebody. Like, I was, like, I was a freshman and, like, just the way you're getting talked to um, from a certain player that ended up getting drafted that just thought he was higher than everybody else. And I'm just like, dude, like, I don't care who you are or where you've been or where you're going to get drafted or how much money you're going to make. You're not going to talk to me like that. So at the end of the year, I was kind of like, 
I need a reset. Like I'm mentally screwed right now. Like I cannot come back here. I get four years to do this and I'm not going to waste another one. I like that. And so I was, and I've cried. I mean, I remember talking to coach rock. I mean, he's now at Auburn, but I remember talking to him and I'm like, I'm on the phone. Me and him had a personal relationship and it was like one of the hardest things I ever had to do. But I mean, it's the best decision I ever made too, though. So. Yeah. And I like that too. Cause because instead of like jumping to another D1 where you feel like you have to make a decision so quickly, you kind of like gave yourself a little time to think about where you'd want to end up. So mm-hmm. nice, man. Well, we're glad you're here. So um, Ethan, I just want to talk a little bit about, about your career. Um, I, I, va- I like vaguely talked to like your parents. Like I tailgated with your parents a lot last year and they were saying like your first year, like at, Juco, you, you played, but it wasn't like as serious as it was the next two years, or like you were like, what was the story about your Juco career? Uh, I think the reason they say that is because I was just out of the bullpen. I was getting one inning every three or so days, just one inning. I, they called me a lefty specialist. Gotcha. When the big situation's coming up, lefty on lefty, I'm the guy who's in. I just throw three bangers and I'm done. So I guess that's what they mean by it wasn't that serious, even though I knew it was a big role. But then the following two years after that, off the bat, I was our number one guy starting every whatever day it was. I think I think I started on Mondays, but I would start on a Monday, come out of the pen on a Friday, close a game on a Saturday if I had to. So I definitely took up a bigger bigger role, which got them way more involved. And that's where I think they think it got a little more serious. Now, of course, I picked up a lot of traction. A lot of schools talking to me, a lot of scouts talking to me. Nothing big, just conversation. But coming from my parents who never really got that deep into sports, seeing something like that and hearing stuff like that, they always just instantly jump and think to the best possible answer. But I I always took the game seriously from like my sophomore year of high school. But I guess that was just a turning point where I could actually be, make this a career. So I, yeah, you could say that's where I got a little more serious with it. Once I knew that I could possibly get paid and have a future in this. Yeah. And I guess out of high school, did you have any opportunities to go to like, any D1s or D2s in your part of the country, or did you kind of like, how'd that work out? Did you walk on a Seminole, or how'd that go? Uh, I could have went to Caldwell University, which is a wood bat D2 up in um, Caldwell, New Jersey. Didn't want to do that. I, w- I was going to go Juco out of high school because um, I was told by my head coach in high school, as well as my guidance counselor, that I wasn't going to college to play baseball at all. So just a small win for me. I committed to the County College of Morris. But then a month or so later, I found out that I'm moving to Florida. So I, I got my release form as soon as I can. Me and my dad were just hopping on emails, emailing different schools. I had taken a visit at Polk. Never heard back from them, taking one to Seminole State. And as soon as my pen, my bullpen got finished, they offered me full. They pay for everything, school, tuition. So on the fly, I just instantly said yes. To them, and it's been a journey ever since. Wow, so that you're, so you're saying like the whole Seminole thing was uh, you did you threw a bullpen and the offer kind of came right after that. Yep, we flew Perfect. down. Once I found out where I was going to school, that's when my parents started looking for housing for them to stay. So we weren't technically moved down here yet. Gotcha. Until we found out I can go to school, but once I got that, they locked everything else down. Nice. So what what kind of picture were you in high school? Like, what was your velo back then? And like, what, uh, you, how's your game evolved? My high school was so small, we didn't have no radar guns, nothing like that. <laughs> and I was primarily a center fielder in high school. Really? Okay. I would, yeah, I would just pitch my one game. As soon as I'm done pitching, like the fifth, sixth inning, 
whatever innings I'm left, I'm in center field, and the rest of the week I'm in center field. And I was a pretty dang good hitter, I will say that. But I never really took it seriously just because me and my head coach never had that player-coach relationship. He was just always against me for some reason, so I never really paid attention to him. And that also made me fall in love with the game. But then uh, I started picking up a little bit of traction from uh, the County College in Morris. So once I felt like I can go there and that I know I'm moving to Florida, I knew there's going to be more opportunities. So I just kind of got back into that fire and desire to keep playing this game. Nice. Wow. So, I mean, obviously you must have showed something in the bullpen. Well, you're a lefty and then you're showing them like you can spin the ball. You, you're probably, Velo was probably pretty good. And they're, they were uh, intrigued and, you know, and that that's uh, – yeah, I, think, I think my uh, I think my freshman year in, in uh, JUCO, I was just sitting mid eighties, maybe top in eighty nine. There's nothing special, but the fact I was just able to go in there, land breaking balls when I can, yeah, and yeah. just get a job done. Especially at a smaller JUCO like that, they're just looking for anyone who just wants to play. That was at Seminole, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Well, wow, that's cool. Um, so I want to just turn it back. We're kind of getting towards the end here, and I just want to turn it back to. Uh, John or Matt, if they have any, uh, you know, follow-ups or other questions before we let you guys go. Sure. Yeah, I got I got one more question for you guys both. Um, so, you know, with this long offseason coming to an end pretty shortly here, um, you know, what, what are some of your guys' goals for the season and, and personally for this 2023 uh, season? Jackson, you got it. Um. I mean, I, I want to ring first and foremost. I mean, I, I want to ring. I mean, I don't have any. I mean, I have some rings, but nothing of, you know, the conference championship sort at the Division One level. So, you know, I, I think this year is more about being good as a team because we're so close as a team. I think all of us have kind of put our individual stuff aside for the most part. You know, it's obviously going to be in the back of your head, but – I think we're chasing more than individual stuff this year. And honestly, like, I, don't, I don't even really like to talk about it because there's just so much – there's so much bigger things, so many bigger things that we're chasing rather than individual, you know, accomplishments. Because if we're good as a team, everybody's going to have individually good years. So if we handle our team stuff, everybody's going to have, you know, good stats and good numbers and get drafted and stuff. So I think it starts with the team, and I think we're off to a good start. Awesome. Yeah, I can agree with that. But, uh, I mean, I know every every player is going to say they want to go to Omaha, they want to win their conference, win a region, all da, da, da. I think my thing is that knowing that this could be my last year playing, as well, I know for sure last year of college, but it could be my last in general. I think just I want to take this team as far as I can. Every time I get the ball, I want to leave it out in the field, leave all that emotion out, throw my heart out. But then I throw – I ended up last year, I was throwing one day a week, and I'm expecting to do again this year. So those other five, six days and I'm not playing, I just want to get all the information that I've learned over time and just start spreading it out throughout the team, especially with these younger guys, getting them to mature a little bit more, getting them into the game, getting them to see what they can do, and basically bringing out that leader in them so that when us older guys are gone, they keep the same culture that we brought in and they can just keep passing it down. So I guess to simplify things, I just want to take what I have and just spread it to the ones who are going to need it in the next couple of years. That's awesome, though. I, I think that's, you know, as was previously mentioned, something that was lacking in, in the last year's team and having vocal leaders like yourself and, you know, even Daniel and a couple other guys on the team, that's that's huge for the growth of the team this year. Mm -hmm. 
Awesome. I'm, I'm also not the biggest vocal leader. Like, if I speak, I'll speak up if I need to. I'm more of a lead by example guy. Like, I'm not going to sit here and call someone out in the middle of a practice or something like that. But after practice, I'll sit them down one on one or just sit by the bullpen after practice, get them alone so they won't get embarrassed or anything like that. And just kind of break it down, help them, make them make sure they figure it out by the next time we're out on the field. Awesome. Well, uh, go, go ahead. I'll add on to that. I think, and I think it translates from us being so close off the field that when we do have to be, you know, vocal with the younger guys, you know, we're so close with them off the field and we make them feel like they're, you know, older in a way because they hang around us. I think it makes it easier to spread that knowledge because we don't come across as just, you know, I don't, you know what I'm trying to say. We don't come across as, you know, cocky or just, oh, this upper class has just always owned me. Because we're so close with them off the field, it allows us to kind of be honest with them because we've built that relationship. So I, I, I think that, I mean, this is the closest team I've ever been on, and I can't stress that enough. Like, our bond is just, I mean, it's, it's the best I've ever been a part of. As well. And also your your experience with, you know, maybe some upperclassmen at Memphis that weren't that receptive of the younger guys has, has really helped you out in, in being a leader on this team. Yeah, I would never want to. That, that was one of my things, too. I knew when I learned to be an upperclassman, I, I learned my lesson. I would never treat a younger a younger guy the way I got treated. So that that changed a lot, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's my last question. Cool. John? Um, so, uh, as far as the bullpen goes, are we going to see, like, a, you know, a set three to five guys, or is it going to be kind of plug and play? And are, are we starting to see more of, like, a solidified – kind of rotation, if you will, as far as the um, mid-relief back end of the bullpen goes. And also, um, are we going to see more of uh, Hunter Mink in the closer role, or are we seeing different names pop up as a closer and exploring new roles for uh, Hunter? Because I know he's got um, – he's going to have another huge year for us, but uh, there were times even in the fall that they were thinking – you know, him and Tanner both could possibly be in the rotation. Uh, just kind of how's the bullpen shaping up and who are we looking at for closer? I mean, as of right now, as much as I want to give you a solidified answer, the last I heard is that our coaching staff wants to get creative with our uh, pitching staff since we have a whole lot of talent. Everyone can plug and play in different places. So I do want to say plug and play for now. Uh, but I can't really give you too much because I, I don't know what's going on in their head, but the term I heard was we're getting creative. Yeah, I think – I mean, we can't put too much out there. We don't know a whole lot either. But um, I think you're going to see some stuff from guys, you know, maybe that in the past have not played that same role. I, I think you're going to see different roles for different guys. And, I mean, I wouldn't put it out – I mean, me and Boogie are, you know, traditionally starters. You know, if a game sets up, the you know, a certain way, like I wouldn't put it out of the coach's – you know, to relieve one of us or close one of us, you know, on the back end. Like, I mean, we mentioned, you know, maybe starting Hunter or Tanner for, you know, two innings. And then you go to a guy, you know, that can go four or five to get you to that eight, nine. Um, so I think you'll see a lot of different combinations, honestly. 
Okay, solid. Um, I think that really kind of wraps it up for me too. Other than actually one more piece, um, we really got to put, uh, we got to get it on the books, like uh, time and place before the season starts because I just, I don't want y'all pouting, you know, when those nice out-of-conference uh, out series come, comes up. So let me know when we're playing cornhole. Um, let me know the stakes, time, place. <laughs> And I mean, it's, I mean, I'm really not scared. I just kind of want to check the box and move on, you know? I mean, I think, I think that's a, that's a Patty's Saturday afternoon, like calling my name. I'm always down for some cornhole at Patty's. 100%. We'll have to. All right, we'll get uh, your old man out here then. So I can easily do that. I just got to give him that two-hour advance to drive down here. But this left arm is throwing baseballs and throwing bags. So I don't know what hey, I we got. Like two, we got like two more weekends off. So we, we got to make it happen if it's going to happen. That's true. All right. Let's do it. Cool. And on that note, um, we appreciate you guys joining us. Um, we will uh, get it uploaded soon, and we'll, we'll keep you all in the loop. For sure. Absolutely. Thank you for having us. Cool. Appreciate oh, yeah, you guys. Thanks, boys. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. Yeah, go Bulls.